1: To the feet of McLean.
2: Lovely turn from Aaron McLean, who sets a new club record. Seven goals. Instead, there's McLean and it loops He'll spit down for McLean and now he has his hat-trick. A rasping drive into the top McLean could be in for number four. Centre point and through for Aaron McLean. For his 25th goal of the season. Again, saved again. McLean, number 30 for the season, for Aaron McLean. Welcome to the other block, still in lockdown. I'm Jared and joining me via his Motorola time port is Kisby. Good evening. Is that an actual phone? I, I think you've made that up. And Jim is also with us. Hello. And we've got a full squad tonight with, uh, did I just call us a squad? That's very really youth now, isn't it? We've got, we've got a full line-up uh, and Tim is with us also. <laughs> yeah, Super
3: Hello, Sub's here. Super Sub's starting today, so I'm happy with
2: that. <laughs> Let's get down to the meat of this podcast. Kisby, what's
1: your confectionery of the Week? Um, I've gone for some caramel nibbles tonight. Um last time I don't think I was asked what my confectionery of the week was. Um it was um terry's chocolate orange but the mini bite size ones, the ones that you don't have to use a sledgehammer to get into. If you if you buy the whole Terry's chocolate orange, you can never get into it, can you? Jared doesn't romantic. need a uh sl- sledgehammer for a terry chocolate orange, does <laughs> the...
2: Straight down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like any anyway, normal person having a teaser, That is for me. It's quite a simple thing. Before we start, our aim is to get into the top ten iTunes UK football podcast before the end of quarantine. We've come close. I think we got was it twelve or 14th Um, so basically, we need to start a campaign to make it happen.
1: I think what we do need is good presenters to be honest with <laughs> you don't I mean, break into top 10 that would probably help
2: that, that, quite a lot we've got to 12 that's why we've drafted in tim to try and get us into the top 10 we'll see <laughs> how it goes but we need to start a campaign to make it happen we need people to subscribe and review on itunes and share the podcast with a fellow posh fan ideas on how we can do it how can we push into top 10 that's that's what we need to do
3: yeah um, blake kisby trending on twitter that'll be a good yeah um, that's not a bad start. shout
2: that do you know what, this blame kisby thing or oh, it was just a
1: joke at the start and it's literally just everyone's run with it it's great mm. yeah a joke at my expense i have to say
3: yeah yeah but um, we all love it so that's that's, all that that's
1: that's that's a joke that's that's laughing at me You're not with me isn't it really
3: but we'll do that yeah. anyway i think we could have a chat with uh marketing at the club and see if we can get it as the shirt sponsor uh, or even if it's just a lot of the training gear you know next year hashtag blame <laughs> kisby or sponsor oh. one of the players <laughs>
2: perhaps entry into the exodus gohagen fan club we can uh, tim can sort that out for you
3: yeah we can in fact you know you can be honor we're looking for um, trustees treasurers that kind of thing so you could, you could have a quite a high ranking role to be fair um, and all you've got to do is just share the pod easy win so
2: to become a member of the exodus gohagen fan club <laughs> email us a screenshot of your itunes review or of you sharing the pod to the Yellow Block at mm. liquidfootball.net and we'll send you some prestigious membership um probably a what? card i know some some membership card or, or something <laughs> along maybe a certificate kisby love certificates we can go with that we can um, even laminate nice it if you like
1: <laughs> even laminated. see what yeah. more do you want although my laminate is in the office that i can't get into so probably not
2: yeah. um right let's crack on um as you all heard of the mini tournament proposal? So the top eight teams in the league, basically, it's basically like a playoffs, a bigger playoff. Um, they're on about doing that. Like, so we all play each other or like a knockout competition. Um, the, to, the thing is, yeah, I mean,
1: the, I, I did hear about that. The thing about that is everyone's been banging on about the integrity of the league, right? We've got yeah. to keep the integrity of the league. That is not keeping the integrity, isn't it? Because what about Coventry? If I was Coventry, I wouldn't be, Dead against that because in fairness to them, they they will would probably have won our league. Okay, it wasn't 100 percent certain. I know there was still enough games to go to. There was certain to, set, to get promotion, games. though, weren't yeah. they? Yeah, and it, it is unfair on them, and and it does make a it makes a mockery that I think personally.
3: It does. And not not only that, it, we were all sort of happy about the fact that we had a, a piss easy run in, if you or easier <laughs> compared to those yeah, around us. that all goes out the window. That's yeah, you may as well true. just have a bloody. Pro Evolution tournament or something to, or you know, a FIFA knockout. It's like what, we can't do
2: that because Reese Bennett, was shit at that. So
3: well, we, yeah, we that's true. And that we, we got knocked out the first round of the Football Manager one as well. So we're really not doing <laughs> well on esports. know um, but but, yeah, no, our, Kisby's right. You, you lose the, you, you play a whole season, and you've got teams that have played some teams once, other teams twice, it's, and then you just go actually, you know, scrap that. We're just going to have a little mini knockout. And who's it, to it say makes, that a team in ninth or tenth wouldn't have ended up in that top? Eight? Exactly, That'd it makes a, it.
1: It makes the this, this season just, just pointless, really. It's just a, it was a pointless exercise, really. Because all you have to do is virtually finish in the top half and you could be promoted <laughs> as champions of the league. And it does make a mockery for me of that. I know... Whichever you choose Whichever system you choose Is going to be massively unfair
3: I think uh, no, middle no, of, At the, the end of this three week period So middle of uh, May Start of May The clubs will come back to training um, They'll have a three week training Sort of period through May You can test the players regularly It's a closed circuit as it was It's only the players and the staff And then come the start of June We can go back to Behind closed doors football And again Although they're coming into Close contact with other players As long as each club is tested in consistently, they're not coming into contact with people outside of that circle. I see no reason why football can't continue behind closed doors come June. And seeing as we're two or three weeks behind countries like Spain and Italy, they've started to already introduce their football clubs coming back to training. And if you do start the the the, the, the behind closed doors football in June, you can easily get the season finished by the end of July. Um, and I, I think that's how it will play out. So I don't see any point in discussing things like knockout tournaments or mini tournaments, because Because I still think we can get this season finished.
2: Well, as we go on to, obviously we do start playing soon. Um, There's been another proposal which has been taken to a bit more realistically than a mini tournament. um, And that's a proposal of five subs per game. That would be to combat um, fatigue. Obviously, the players. Fatigue. They months off. don. But that's
1: fatigue. the issue, isn't it? <laughs> why not? Why not have thirty-seven subs? Let's have hundred subs. <laughs> what's on the fun to play? play? No, well, ideas. It is And
3: also, It's not like. Oh, I know,
1: like, Kisby, I've not come up with the idea.
2: This is an idea. What's been suggested? Oh. <laughs> but it's it like kids like it... do: roll and roll off.
3: Yeah, exactly. But it's like Kieran said when he was on it, it's not gonna be they're not just gonna go right, you're back to work tomorrow and your games the day after. There'll be a period of a mini pre season anyway to get their mm. fitness up. And I'm sure that the players haven't just been allowed to kind of sit at home and do nothing. I'm sure they've had to maintain some Can
2: physical level. Imagine learning. if they all if they all get back into training in the shape of well, me <laughs> George Boyd George Boyd rocks up with love handles.
3: <laughs> The, Keep no, it. Uh, the five subs things I, I don't I mean rush goalkeeper would be brilliant though. Yeah, get rid of offsides. <laughs> The thing is, though, just jumping back to what we were just saying, I know we've talked about it before, but if you do get the, the matches started by the start of June, the infrastructure's in place with iFollow, that you can easily get income coming back into the clubs. All right, it won't be as much as a, a match day with you know, food and all that kind of stuff, but you can get people buying iFollow tickets. All they need there is a couple of cameramen at a game. And they've already got local radio doing the commentary anyway. Um, so you can easily get football back into people's lives, and the infrastructure's in place to do that.
2: I can't wait, I cannot wait. Um, the Dutch division has been voided completely. No champions, no promotions or relegations or nothing. It's, it's gone. Um,
3: which is a surprise. Uh, I, I think that's a real surprise. And I'm surprised that one of the big European leagues has judged that quickly. Um, I, I really didn't think that that would happen with any of the, the big UEFA leagues. But um, it's a real shame. I just hope that you know we don't follow suit. Fingers crossed. A Den
2: Haag manager, Alan Pardew, he could get a bonus for avoiding relegation, which was in his contract. Um, one could say he's played his parts right. Oh,
1: there you go,
2: there's your shit joke. Can, can, we, can we edit that out, please? Thoughts on Alex Neal's comments. Clubs who have furloughed staff shouldn't be allowed to spend the money saved on players next season.
3: I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't think that, um, they're, they're a business ultimately at the end of the day and if they've used a the furlough scheme, then they're no different to any other business. I get the argument that the big clubs that are using public money shouldn't but i mean it's um interesting with with colchester today announcing that they're not going to be renewing certain senior players contracts because of the financial aspect i think that's just going to be the first of many um clubs that follow similar kind of paths this summer is going to be weird even if we do get the season finished it's going to be an odd transfer window i don't think there'll be any big transfers this year which perhaps works in our favour with um, Mr Tony but uh, I can't see clubs spending this summer like they would normally because they're all going to be fighting to make up for this.
1: Yeah, the thing is, is I I think as well, uh, a a lot of the money comes into football, certainly at the lower levels, isn't coming through the gate, is it? Through the fans, and supporters, It's coming through the business interests of people who own the clubs. And, of course, their businesses, a lot of them, are going to be massively tanking over the next 12 months. So the amount of money coming into that, certainly at the lower levels, it it will hit The high levels, obviously, but high levels will always have a
2: buffer. It's a tough one, that is. Um, There's been a debate on social media across all clubs um, on partial refund on season tickets if the season is cancelled. We have touched on this in previous podcasts, um, but it has raised its head again. Um, What's Kisby's take on this as the tightest man on the planet?
1: It is true. I'm probably the tightest man in the universe. In There's fairness, no probably. No. I'm the sort of man, right? If I buy a, a a tin of spaghetti from Aldi's for 29p and it's dented, I will take that tin back and get a <laughs> refund. I really, I am that petty when it comes to money. But right, this is my view. When when there are there are a lot of clubs that could go under, right? Why are fans who fundamentally want their clubs to survive? Why are they even considering? a refund on just a few games, right? As season ticket holders, you already get a very good deal anyway. So you're getting a percentage off each game you go to. So you're already already getting a good deal. Even I, as the tightest man in the universe, wouldn't try to push my club over into... Um, liquidation because I want to get a refund on nine games. Well, it's not even nine, is it? What is it? Four? We had four or five yeah. games, whatever it was. You know, I can't understand fans who, who who are so petty, who want a few quid back when they've already got a d- good deal on the season. ticket. Anyway, that could be <laughs> the difference between, between that club surviving or not surviving. So I think it's absolute madness and very not supporting your club to want to get any sort of refund on that i can't i can't Are we all it. in the same boat on that
3: no well yes i am um... But just to play devil's advocate i would I would look at it from another point of view, which is football um season to get hold of it's, it's a business and you've not received your full products I don't necessarily agree with this I'm just
1: as a fan you don't yeah. see it as a business i know
3: no 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 would, I, I know I know I guess the way around,
1: I don't see it as a business if I saw it as a business, I would be down London road demanding my three pound 99 back but I'm not i don't see it as a business. <laughs> time, you will be, well. That's weather true. Weather- I say that now, but well, the, the way round
3: easily, I think, from a club's point of view, is just to go is just to give season ticket holders the option and say, if you want this uh, percentage back, you 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 can claim it because then uh, the real oh, thing, well, then if anyone the
1: option, I'll get it, I'll claim it. Back. I don't I'll think you would.
3: I think you'd go no, that's no, not I, right. I you would I
1: because
2: because anyone who and yeah, and anyone who does claim
0: it gets banned for life. You
1: think that's t t-shirt?
0: Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com
2: We're now joined by posh legend Aaron McLean. Thanks for taking the time out, Aaron, to join us.
4: Um, <laughs> how's lockdown going for you? It's not been too bad, to be honest. Um... I've got a seven month old daughter, so she keeps me fairly busy and you know i've I've looked at it as this is a this is a period in her life that I probably wouldn't have been able to spend this much time with her had I been a football so you know i'm I'm looking at Absolutely. the side of it and obviously dying to get back to football dying to get back to work but mm. you know, there is you know, that's the silver lining for me. I think that's how everyone's taken it. It's a chance
2: what none of us would have got with our family. And although it's not in the ideal, you know, circumstances, we can't have the quality time outdoors. It's, it's still good to have that time, uh, you know, as, as, as a group isn't it?
4: Yeah, definitely. You know, I think being able to spend more or less 24 seven together. So A, you have to like your partner, which is, <laughs> 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 um, and yeah, like I said, look, I've, You know, it's my first child. She's seven months old. So me to be able to see her see her developing, you know, firsthand and day to day is, you know, it's kind of been a a blessing in disguise, but obviously not one that I would have I would have wished for. Still looking forward to getting stuck in again though. Oh desperate. Desperate to get back. It's it's tough. It's tough not being at work, every having a genuine focus, you know, not having something to look forward to at the end of the week. Every day seems like it's it's almost Groundhog Day at the moment. You <laughs> don't know what day of the week it is.
1: You're know, the first person I've ever heard that has said that it's been really tough being away from work. Every All, all my other friends said it's bloody great being away from work and I hope it goes on for like quite a long time.
4: Like, I love my job. I love going in every day and it's very rare that you'll see me go in and not be, not be full of beans because it's, for me, I, I wouldn't want to do anything else. It's funny because we were
1: actually talking about this on one of the podcasts where we were talking about some professional footballers see it purely as a job and actually don't enjoy the game of football. And we can't understand how you can ever be a great footballer if you don't passionately love the game of football. But there are some footballers out there who literally, it's a job. You know, they're not even that that interesting. And I always think that's strange. So it's great to hear that you, you love the football.
4: Yeah, I've, I've come across a few. Yeah. Um... I know a few players that they really don't enjoy football once they're away from football they don't watch it and it, it baffles me to be honest, but at the same time you have to for them they they're good at it and they earn a good wage from it so
3: yeah. I, just don't, I don't get how you can go into uh, you know a stadium full of people with that raw passion and emotion and just not feel that and not. You know, I, I just—it's just an alien concept to all of us, I guess, mm. being football fans to be a professional footballer and not be living the dream and and playing every minute with a smile. Well I mean,
1: you don't chance. get that as a chartered accountant, do you? You don't walk in the office and mm. you get ten thousand people clapping you. So
4: it does—it's it's strange, isn't it? But I don't think the people—the people that say they don't—they don't like football. I don't think they dislike playing. You know, as you wouldn't play. I think they—they they enjoy the playing. They enjoy the. Fans and all the good things that come with being a professional footballer. I think it's the hard work that they don't enjoy because being a pro- professional footballer is not easy. It's day in, day out working hard on the training pitch and yeah,
3: which that's... we don't see so much, I guess, as fans. Yeah. I suppose we only see the Saturday afternoon and the, the excitement that comes with being a footballer.
4: Yeah, and it, there's a, there's a lot of stress that goes with it as well. So it's, I think the stress and the pressure, the training. I think they don't enjoy that, but most definitely, they they all this they all enjoy the, the positive side of it. The fans mm. screaming their name and when mm. and their wages drop in their bank. I'm I'm sure. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> so so
2: on the pod, we'll be talking about your career in football and your time at Posh. And mm. um, but before we begin,
4: thoughts on how the season will end? Can you can you see it ending? I can I can see it ending. I think it's probably going to be behind closed doors. Um, we just have to go with what the government say. What do you think about this idea about having the
1: top eight
4: teams do like a mini
1: playoff for all the positions? I mean, we thought that was a bit nonsense, really. But what what's your view on that?
4: Yeah, I'm not really a massive, I'm not a massive fan of it. Obviously, we're in the top eight, so it wouldn't affect us negatively. But, you know, for, if, for example, if they were to end the league today and say, right, well, whatever positions you're in, that's where you're going to finish and the top two get promoted, we'd be fuming.
1: Where do you think we would have finished? Because we think we had a good shout at second place or even a, a very, very outside um, shout at, at the top of the league. So where do you think we would have finished though? This season, I think
4: we'd, I think we'd finish top two. Yeah. I think we'd finish yeah. top two. Um, and I think if the if the season's able to be finished, which we all, we're all hopeful it is, then I think we'll finish top two. And we was going to, a brilliant reign of form, but at the same time, listen—we all the lads will be fresh, and um, I'm sure that once we're back and all the lads get together, I'm sure we've we've got more than enough to to be able to put another great run together and and get that promotion. We had uh, Kieran Kieran Scarf on the podcast a couple
2: of weeks ago, and he said you was due you was due back mid May. Is that still the case?
4: Yeah, at the moment we're due back the 16th. So until we hear otherwise, that's the that's the date we're all working towards. You know, we've we've had plenty of, of conversation um, when this first happened, about different contingency plans and different, you know, if, if certain things happen, what we would do. Um, I know the manager and the fitness coach especially have been in regular contact with all the players and making sure that they know what's, what's going on, what's expected from them whilst they're off. And, you know, I'm sure all the lads will come back in, in good shape and, and be more than ready to go. You definitely need a,
2: a mini pre-season though, don't you think, with all the time. I know they've all had their training regimes, but um, still, you still need a bit of time to get up to scratch, surely?
4: Yeah, definitely. Having, having this this long period off, there's no way you could just all of a sudden go back and then after a week be expected to go and play nine games in a row. So there is going to be a mini pre a mini pre season, but with the programmes that the fitness coach has been giving all the lads, you know, they'll already be halfway halfway there. So the work that they'll be doing will be able to get through it a lot quicker than, than if you haven't been doing anything. Normal
1: pre season training is very hard, isn't it? It's very tough the the actual normal pre season. So you're not gonna need the full tough sort of regime, are you I suppose? But you will need a, a, a little bit of time to get sort of properly match fit.
4: Yeah, that's going to be the main thing. It's the match. It's the match fitness,
1: yeah. which
4: I don't know how long we'll we'll have to be able to get that. But like I say, they they've all got their base fitness um, from the first day that we was off. All the lads had programs, and it's they all they're all on an app. So each day they send in what they've been doing, so the fitness coach can log it down, and you'll be able to gauge whereabouts everyone is in their fitness and listen some might need a little bit extra some might need a little bit more time to to get up to speed but you know i'm sure as an individual if you're doing the right things then you'll be a lot closer to that to that end target Come once we get back
3: Sure. Aaron, you touched on um, the good form that we were in uh, as a club and we, we were talking earlier about how um, we were we had a, a pretty favourable run in, and we were in good form and we, we fancied our chances. How easy is it going to be and, and moreover, what can the management do to try and rekindle that form? Because obviously it's kind of like starting again, everyone's starting again, form's irrelevant now. How can you get back, other of than winning games, how can you try and instil that back into the players?
4: Well, we'll go through... We'll go through what we've done up until now through the season, and we'll, we'll take out all the good bits and we'll show it to them. And listen, as players, after having this layoff, if you're not raring to go and desperate to get back playing, then you probably shouldn't be in the game anyway.
1: Yeah. I think everyone's desperate, aren't they? The fans are desperate. We want to watch. It seems ages since I've watched any football. I mean, it's not that long, but it seems like literally 12 months already to me and and i'm desperate to go and watch the posh and uh, i should imagine everyone's the same you know And it is it would be such a lift to the whole country the country at the moment is pretty much on its knees i think and it would be such a, a, a people love football in this country and it would lift the whole country i think and it it's so much more than just about the game isn't it i think at the moment
2: what i like about that kisby is and um, when we when we spoke about uh, behind closed doors I, when this all when this all kicked off you was like no everyone was like no I'm not having that I don't want to watch it on oh, no, iFollow and all that And now I'm not oh, a fan no, we so desperate we, no but we'd all take it wouldn't we I'll, yeah I'll we, we, we'd take screen.
1: it we take it I mean I can't wait to get back to London Road and, and watch football like you should watch you know with the atmosphere and you know the the ups and the downs of it and that's what football's about senior mates you know it's a it's a community thing football it's not just a sport and that's what I really miss and but yeah I, I want to watch the posh you know I miss watching it and I just think it would be a massive boost to the country when football comes back. Obviously, if we bloody lose the first game, we'll be fucking pissed off. But, <laughs> <laughs> <you know. laughs> yeah, and I will be moaning like there'll be no tomorrow about it, but I'm looking forward to that.
2: Aaron, if, if we go back to your early career, um, when did you know you wanted to be a footballer? What age, if you, if you remember?
4: Um, I, I wouldn't even be able to tell you. I, I didn't start playing football until late. I think I probably started playing at about seven, eight, like really playing for for an actual team. Up until then, I, I never really wanted to... I didn't really enjoy playing football, but I like, I didn't want to play for a team. But I enjoyed just going out and playing playing in the banjo with, with with my mates. So it wasn't until about, I'm sure it was seven or eight, where my friend was just badgering me about coming and playing for his team. So I went and played for him and from there I just I enjoyed it and gradually I just continued to play and improve and obviously as the years went on I think probably leaving leaving school and going and and being a, a professional that was probably when I was like yeah you know what I can I can really make something of this because obviously all my other friends were going on to sixth form and continuing their education and and I was leaving to go and and continue my education in football. So that's probably where I really thought, yeah, I've got, I've got a half a chance of making something here. I suppose it's quite a
2: risk though at that age, because obviously you're still in education or just coming out of it. And obviously you're not guaranteed to make it. And as, like you said, your friends are going into, you know, to further educate themselves and you're taking a different route. It's, although it's everyone's dream, it's quite a risk as well, isn't
4: it? It's definitely a risk. And it's a risk that for a few years, when I got released by Leighton Orient. I wasn't sure whether or not that risk was worth it because I'd I'd obviously been at, at Leyton Orient for four years since I left school. Then I got released and I went to Aldershot in the conference. And when I went there, I wasn't sure whether or not I was going to be able to make it back into, into professional football. I'd, I'd not played that many games. Um, and... My ability, I i always believed in my ability, but I knew that I had a, a lot to work on. You know, I wasn't a prolific goal scorer and there was there was many, many things that I knew that I had to work on. But I was I was more than happy to to improve as much as as much as my coaches would help me. Were well, so, you a hard worker as a footballer?
1: Because not all footballers are hard workers. Do you think you were a hard worker? Or do you think, looking back now, you, you, could you have worked harder? Or?
4: No, I'd say I was a very hard worker. I've, I was always one that I trained I played. So day in, day out, I knew that I didn't have the ability to be able to coast through training and still be able to perform on a Saturday. I knew that. Um, and growing up, I was playing with people like... Leon Knight, Jermaine Defoe, those kind of players who were naturally gifted had just had the eye for the goal could do things with a ball that you you see grow mender and I wasn't at the level that they was at so I knew that in order to, for me to, to try and make a career and, st- and keep a career, I'd have to continue to work hard every single day and like I say, once I dropped into non-league, it was almost like, do you give it everything you've got or after a few years this is probably going to be, be where I end up and, and I'm going to have to go and find a job anyway so you know luckily for me it, it worked out for me in the end but those those three or four years were were years that it could have it could have gone either way really.
3: Did you do you feel pressure? You talked about your um, confidence in your own abilities when you when you did get the move to Peterborough from Grays. It was it was quite a, a tidy sum. Did you did you feel the pressure that came with that? Did you think this is my shot? I've got to make this, or were you content that you know you had the ability to see it through at Peterborough?
4: No, I didn't feel. I didn't really feel pressure. The price tag never really. It wasn't really something that really bothered me because I I felt I was ready. You know, I think a year a year prior to that, I was going to leave and go to Accrington Stanley, and myself and Michael Cartley were were at Grays, we're we, was, we was doing well, and I think Chester came in for Cartley and Accrington came in for me, and Mark Stimpson was our manager at the time. He he just said, "Listen, this they're not clubs that you want to go to. You want to go to. You're both good enough to be able to go to clubs that are going to help you to to further your career." And listen, no no disrespect to Accrington Stanley, but they were in our—they'd just been promoted from from the conference, so we, you know, we we just finished playing against them, and the manager just said, "Look, you'll be able to get a better move to a club that's going places and really going to be able to to show off your your attributes." So, you know, we, I didn't end up going there, and it was it was the right time and the right decision to, to go to Peterville because mm. Aaron McCantley had just come in. It was making me his first signing, and you know, once I sat down and spoken to him, you know, I was I was sold on the club. You know, he told me what his ambitions were, and mm. and his his passion for it just made me want to hurry up and, and put my boots on and go out and play. To be
3: honest, and thank God you did.
4: I've noticed a lot of players are coming
2: at similar time to you, Macau, Smith Boyd. That they've all said the same thing, even with Ryan Bennett as well. That. After you know, after the chat with 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 Dara McCantley and Fergie when he was there, is that just really made them you know believe in the project and, and want to join Posh?
4: Definitely. The thing is with Dara is he knows everything about you before you walk through the door. You know his knowledge of football is second to none. You know I sit down and I, I have chats with him now, and he'll be able to tell me the top ten strikers in then in outside of the league. He'll be able to tell me their stats, their ages. He, he knows everything. You know, he's a real, he's a real student of the game. And because when I walked through that door, he knew everything about me. He was telling me my strengths, he was telling me the areas that he felt I needed to work on. But he was telling me that, you know, if I come to Peterborough, this is what he's gonna help me to do. And by doing that, I'll then get the opportunity to go on, be successful with Peterborough and go on and one day play in the Premier League, which at the time I was thinking, yeah, I'm not sure about that. But, yeah. you know, it, it was true to his word and it, it all ended up happening.
2: What advice, obviously you've been through, you've gone through all the leagues, like you say, straight from school into football. So what advice would you give to kids wanting to break into the game?
4: I'd just say, make sure that you work as hard as you can every single day. You know, that's that's one thing that I I always... I, I, I say that to everyone, every young player. I say, listen, once you get to the end of your career, make sure when you look back, you haven't not achieved what you want to achieve because you haven't worked hard enough. So every single day is an opportunity to learn. And it's the same for me now as a coach. You know, Every day for me is it's an opportunity to learn. And having Scarfi, the Gaffer, Strax, you know, I'm constantly learning from these guys. And they're, they're some of the best people that I could have possibly hoped to work with, and you know I'll I'll continue to to keep learning so that I can take that on into into my career, and hopefully it's it's a long one in in management and coaching. In hindsight, Sorry, is there anything you
1: would have done differently looking back, or do you think you got it right at, at the time?
4: Uh, yeah, I think I think most of I'd say the the decisions that I made um at the time I always made made the best decision for me in a footballing capacity um i always worked hard you know there was never a a period where i'd turn around and and say yeah you know i i kind of tossed it off a little bit there and and i didn't put put all my effort in you know i think there's going to be periods in your career where you're doing really well there's going to be periods where you where things aren't going so great but i've always been a pretty confident person and Always, one that believed in in myself, and that even when I was going through a bad patch, that things would would come good. And mm. I've I've been really lucky, you know. I've I've managed to to get promoted from every every league in the country, which I would never have thought of thought I'd be able to achieve. And ended, wow. you know, managed to to play in the Premier League, which again was as a kid is a dream, but to actually be able to go out and do it is is something again. I never thought, never thought I'd be able to. So when I look back, I don't look back with any regrets. I, I just look back, and I'm I'm really proud of, of what I've been able to achieve. And
3: there can't be many players so that I've, can I've, say that they've had promotion from each of the football league um, divisions. That's quite a that's quite a statistic. That
4: yeah, I don't I don't know if there is many. Um, I know, obviously, George was George played with me at. Peter Brown at Hull so he had he had promotions from League 2 League 1 and mm. and from the championship um, but I don't think there's too many I don't think there's too many so listen it's, it's something that I, I I would never have thought I'd, I'd be able to achieve and especially moving to Hull at the age that I was um, the dream that was probably I looked at it as if I'm going to be able to to play in the Premier League it has to be it has to be now um, and if i don't if i don't get that opportunity it's not going to be because i've not put in all the work that I can you know it's going to be because of opportunity and and fitness and whatever it's not going to be because of, because i've not worked hard enough
2: so obviously you signed you signed for Posh when we were back in league two just after after Dara brought the club um I remember after your high scoring season, I remember there was rumours that Wolves were rumoured to be... in I'm not sure how true that was, but I think by all accounts, it probably was, was the case. Um, do you, looking back, and it's probably a bit of a difficult question for you answer, do you wish you'd have left at that point and gone on then? Or are you happy that you, you did stick about a bit longer?
4: I'm happy, I'm happy I stayed. <clears throat> at the time, um, Wolves came in and they, they bid in excessive i think it was 2 or 2.5 million um and I, w- I wanted to go i wanted the opportunity to go and and play at a huge club you know they were pushing for promotion to the premier league and for me that i looked at it as i've come this far i want to now take the next step and and really compete in the championship and and hopefully help them to get promoted to the premier league um but it was just off the back of us getting, getting promoted from League Two. So, having sat down with with the gaffer and, and the chairman and, and Barry, and you know, they convinced me that if I stayed at, at Peterborough, we'd go and get promoted again. Now, having just got promotion the way we did from League Two, everyone was sure that we'd go and get promoted to League One, uh, from League One to the Championship. So. You know, I, I think it was a it was a lot easier decision because all the quality of player that we had, you know, the likes of George Boyd and Mikel Smith, Charlie Lee. Because we had that kind of quality, I was always confident that if I stayed, we'd get promoted again. Um, so I don't regret, I don't regret not not leaving at all.
1: Who do you think was the the best player in that team? Out of the Holy Trinity, who do you think was the best player? George was the best player.
4: Ability-wise, and he connected everything. I you just, could have said, you could have said yourself. <laughs> the <laughs> thing is, there's, there's, there's a, we all brought different attributes. Yeah. You know, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have worked if we didn't all bring different elements to, to the team. But I think in terms of creativity, vis, like vision, just te- technique and ability, George just had it all. You know, he's yeah. a graceful footballer. that just knew how to connect the areas. And with him in the team, we always felt confident that we were going to get chances and we were going to score goals. I used to think
1: of you as a, what I would call an honest striker. What I mean by that is not, not particularly flashy, but someone that if that ball dropped to you in the box or outside the box, you would score with that. You know, it, it wouldn't be anything spectacular, but you would put the ball in the back of the net. I think Craig Macar Smith was a slightly different player, and George Boyd, obviously, a a, a a very different player to that. But you all bought something. I can imagine. I can. I can always remember you. You were a fantastic header of the ball as well. You you almost used to defy gravity somehow. By <laughs> well, I was going to ask.
2: This was something I was going to bring up because I remember. I took I can't remember what game it was I remember taking my my dad to a to a game he's not into football whatsoever but I remember it was a corner there was a corner and Aaron was being marked by some absolute monster of a centre back and I remember my old man saying he's never going to be able to out jump him I said you've not seen him jump yet I said he, the man's not he's not human how did you do that how did you add that to your game because I think what you about five five seven five eight yeah. how are you out jumping six foot two six foot three about- centre backs
4: yeah, it's just something that I've always had. I've always I've always had a good a good spring. Um and it's was a weapon for me because people thought because I'm so short compared to these these big defenders, most of them thought that they'd beat me in the air. Um it's it's more about timing and, and obviously making sure that you've got a good spring and, and being able to hang. So it's just something that naturally I I have and I just used it as as a, as a weapon. And that's probably why Craig scored so many goals because I used to flick it on for him all the time. Constantly, yeah. Um, if we just go back to, obviously, when Wolves come in for you, do you think
2: if you wouldn't have had, obviously, you'd already formed the relationship with Mikael Smith and Boyd, do you think if that wasn't there, do you think you'd have been more tempted to move on then?
4: If the team, well, it wasn't just, it wasn't just those two. You know, as a team, as a team, I'd, I'd had a bond. There was a lot of young lads that we all, we all lived in Peterborough. We all socialised together. Um, and for me, I had the best manager that I've had in my career in Darren Ferguson. So there was plenty of, of reasons for me to stay. Um, and listen, there was there was reasons to go footballing reasons, but in terms of the family that I'd I'd been brought into in Peterborough, you know, to to stay was it wasn't as, as difficult a decision as as it probably could have been for me. It was. It was an amazing period in not only my life but in the history of, of Peterborough. So to, to even be thought of by the by the Peterborough fans is is special for me. We created a bond at Peterborough, but it's a bond that goes way deeper than football.
1: I think you could tell as a team that you all got on because it's fairly obvious when people get on and don't get on. Um you talk about Darren Ferguson. We have a very tongue-in-cheek Fergie in, Fergie out ometa. Because not all posh fans are massive fans of Darren Ferguson on this show, we all think he's brilliant. we all love Darren Ferguson. I can never understand why people don't. but if you were to talk to the posh fans, what would you say is was made him such a great manager for you
4: for me he he installed a, a certain belief in in you that you could go and do anything that, obviously he's he's Upbringing was from Sir Alex Ferguson, and who's the greatest manager ever? So Darren Ferguson has that winning mentality. He has that winning gene inside him, and he portrays that onto the rest of the people that are around him. You know, for for me as a player, he just made me believe that I could go out there and and win games, and score goals, and be the best best player on the park every single week. Now, I wouldn't go and be the best player on the park every single week, only like 90% of the time. But <laughs> he just he, had, he he installed so much belief in, in you and his organization, his detail is second to none. You know, he's from like I said, for me, he was the best manager I I played under. Um, and I've played under some really good managers, and I've been successful under other managers, but for me there was there was no manager that made me believe that I was even better than I thought I was than, than Darren Ferguson and you know, I, I I do owe him a lot in terms of my progression as a player and, and as a man.
3: Is he the sort of manager that would give you the hairdryer treatment if you weren't following the instructions that he would set out?
4: I've had the hairdryer treatment once for me. Mm.
3: I've
4: I've had it once. Um
3: only once, as well. <laughs>
4: It wasn't necessarily deserved. But, um, <laughs> is he?
2: Is he quite obviously because we only see him like through the media and whatnot. um, in the dressing room, is he? Is he very much cut, cut from the same puff as his dad? With has he got a bit of a temper to him? Obviously, his passion, but does he have that side to him as well?
4: Yeah, he has got a temper. He has got a temper if you if you don't do what he's asking you to do. But he's he's one of the most honest and genuine. People that I know, um, his door's always open. If if you ever have a problem with football or away from football, you know he's he's a he's very much a family orientated man, and you know he always puts puts family first. So if you if you have any any issues away from football, he's he's one that you know he's, he's always there to to be able to knock on his door. But in terms of his his management style and in in and around the dressing room. He's, he's always one to be having banter. You know, he loves banter. He's, his banter ain't the greatest. But <laughs> <laughs> he, loves, he loves having banter with the lads. He likes everyone to be happy and he, he loves uh, a happy camp. But at the same time, he makes sure that the camp's won properly and there has to be rules and regulations. There has to be discipline. And he makes sure that, you know, if, as long as you marry the two together... Then, then you'll have a, a good environment. Have you seen his new
2: new haircut, Aaron? He's gone for the isolation cut, one all over.
4: Uh, I, I saw it the other day and I, I was going <laughs> to mention it, but I just thought, you know what, it's, it's probably too soon, and especially with everything going on. I don't... <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's got really
1: bad haircuts in the entire country at the moment. They're either really short or really long, aren't they?
4: Yeah, mine's a bit in between at the minute. It's, because I have a, a mould, it's kind of like, the sides are growing out and it's, it's just a mess. I wear a lot of hats. As, as you see, I, I had a hat on when I first came on. Just <laughs> touching on,
2: obviously, talking about Darren Ferguson then, and going back to uh, George Boyd's done an interview with the, with the Posh TV and he said when, obviously, after the Newcastle game in the Championship, I don't think, I think that's, yeah, that was the one um, where Darren Ferguson left the club. Um, and then he said, obviously, Mark Cooper come in and he said that he found that the found it hard that the players would take to him because, you know, they, you'd all grown such a bond with Darren Ferguson. And then for someone to come in with new you know, new regimes, new beliefs, it, it was a hard transition.
4: Yeah, I think everyone struggled with it. Um, listen, no disrespect to any of the managers that came in after Darren, but there was no one that came in that kind of had a patch on him, you know, in in every department. You know, his, his organisation, his, his detail into into everything you know he you'd go into a game and you're fully prepared for absolutely everything you know and it's down to you to execute if you don't execute it on the pitch then it that's down to you as a player but you know at no point did you did you ever go into a game feeling unprepared um once he left the club i think the lads kind of just lost a bit of belief because we didn't have we didn't have him in our corner
2: yeah, I know. I know. Boyd said in that that um, you know he wasn't really open to leaving before then, but then then thoughts start to creep in once once Darren Ferguson had left because like you say the belief leaves with him.
4: Yeah, definitely. And listen, like you say, other managers come in and if they don't hit the ground running and and kind of get the lads on side straight away, then it's it's tough for them as well. And I think any manager that was going to follow in Darren's footsteps was was always going to be up against it because. We'd been together and been so successful for such a long time that only coming in and being successful was, was gonna be good enough. And there wasn't anyone that, that I thought was like I say, I don't think there was anyone that really really matched the, the level that Darren Ferguson was at and you know, for us it was it was such a shame for him to go. And from there I think it people departing was was inevitable.
2: You mentioned earlier you played in all four professional English leagues, which, like I said, I don't think many people have done that. Um, which is the biggest step up in terms of quality of football?
4: From the Championship to the Premier League's, the biggest step by far. Um, just the speed that I think it's it's more upstairs that that they're so much quicker. You know, people know exactly where to run. The execution of passes and finishes is spot on. A lot of the time and you know if you're not at that that level then then you can get found out pretty quickly um from league one from league one to the championship was was a big step and i think purely because a year or so earlier we were league two players having not long come from non-league so a couple of years later ending up playing against championship championship clubs that you know with a lot of players that have played premier league football we i think i found that probably the biggest step up for me as an individual but in in the main i think the the jump from championship to premier league is is the biggest gap